Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast is provided by Subtruck Law. Revolution Recap thanks Subtruck Law for their support of our show, local independent media, and their mission of bringing unbiased truth. Revolution Recap would also like to thank Six Point Builders for their support. Six Point Builders are builders of fine custom homes in the Boston metropolitan area. Welcome to another episode of Revolution Recap, coming to you after the New England Revolution suffered a 3-0 defeat against the Philadelphia Union in a game that saw Carles Heel, Matt Polster, and Brandon Bay all leave the match with injuries. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today by Andy Judd from Revs Nation. Andy, how's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me back on the show. Thanks for coming back. It's a rough, a rough show to do after the difficult night for the Revolution. Uh, not the result they were hoping for, especially against a Philly team that was on short rest and the Revs had a full week's rest. Um, before we jump into our takeaways, I do want to give a quick update. I wanted to let our listeners know that we're excited to have joined the Believe Network. Not much is going to change for now. If you're already subscribed, you can still find our podcast everywhere we currently are. But we're excited to have their production and marketing teams help to improve the podcast as well as their great network. You'll also be hearing from some new advertisers. On that note, Bet Online is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA playoffs. Bet Online is your sports intel headquarters this season as they have you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs from basketball, MLB, NHL, soccer, golf, to UFC, and boxing. It's fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. Get into the action today by heading to the website or using your mobile device to join, and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. With that, let's get right into our key takeaways, which are brought to you by our friends at the Rebellion Supporters Group. Be sure to check them out on Twitter at any rebellion and their website any rebellion.org any probably a lot we can take away from this one what's your key from this one uh yeah i don't think i'm i'm really breaking the bank uh coming up with this this key takeaway but i i think it's that injuries are kind of reaching a critical point here right where there's they're starting to reach critical mass uh the revs now without if carlos heel especially is going to miss time will be without uh Two of their three DPs and their under-22 initiative signing, plus a, a myriad of other players who are important in key roles across the entire uh, lineup. So, you know, without Carlos Heal, this this team, I don't know how well they're going to function. I'm not somebody who is, is – I'm not quite ready to push the panic button to, to steal a – you know, a question from years past on this show. But um, if Carlos Heal is going to miss a significant amount, of, significant amount of time, I think we could be getting there. Um, this team is built to play through Carlos. Um, and I think we saw that last night after he left. The team just didn't have enough juice going forward. It didn't have any incisive passing. And to be physical, and, and the way that Philadelphia wanted to play last night was very physical. Um, so... Uh, without Carlos Heel in this lineup, I'm not sure how many more points they're going to pick up, uh, especially in, in tough games like this on the road. Um, you know, so the Reds will really need to hope that that some of those other players, uh, Bo in particular, uh, can get back healthy sooner rather than later if, if they're going to you know, continue the, the good start to the season they had. Well, we've got a lot of questions today, so I'm glad that your key takeaway is the same as mine, so we can save some time there. But I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with you. They, they have hit a critical mass of injuries. They've done a very good job so far this season of managing to overcome injuries, but 
when you get to the point where they are now, where Carly's heel is out, we don't know how long that's going to be. Gustavo Bo is out, we don't know how long that's going to be. We've seen them in the past find ways to get wins. When they when they won the Supporter Shield a couple years ago, they found ways to get wins without Carly's heel. Uh, but they didn't have to get wins without Carly's heel in Gustavo Bo. We know Gustavo Bo is a guy that can create chances out of nothing, that can create goals out of nothing. Um, and the Revs sometimes need to do that when Carly's heel is not on the field because Carly's heel is their is their main provider. So to to lose Gustavo Bo and to now we assume we we don't know what officially what his injury is yet or how long he's going to be out, but we assume he's you know, he's going to miss some time uh, based on what we saw in this game. Uh, to to have both of those guys out, I think the Revolution are in a lot of trouble. And then you add on top of that, Barrero, who you know had a good start to the season, uh, him being out for the year, um, the, any any number of injuries, the Henry Kessler being out on the back line, Brandon By potentially being out. You know, we we've talked a lot on this show about how the Revolution's fullback depth just isn't good enough. They don't have a backup right back. They're backup right back might be Josh Bulma. Uh, it, it can't be Andrew Farrell moving to right back because they need him at center back. Um, so it could be Dewan Jones moving to right back and then Ben Sweat starting at left back, which I don't think is is a particularly great option. Um, or it could Somebody asked, I think, about it, recalling Ryan Spaulding. Uh, I, I guess it could be that and then moving Dewan Jones to right back. N- none of those options seem particularly good to me. Um, so you, you add in all that and, and all the other injuries the Reds have had, Nacho Heel being out all season, Tommy McNamara being out all season so far. We don't know when those guys are coming back. I, I think they have hit a critical mass where it's going to be tough for the Revolution to be competitive until they start getting some of these guys back from injuries. Yeah, you know, a lot of teams, uh, if they lose their best player, they're in, you know, they're in trouble. That's just that's just generally true in this league. Um, But if you lose your best four or five players, that's that's really tough to come back from. And the Revs have been doing okay, trying to weather the storm without uh, Barrera and without Bo. And they've been able to, you know, the depth is better this year. So they've been able to put together you know, uh, put together performances well enough in to cover some absences, but if they're all going to pile up on top of each other like this, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how well they're going to be able to do, uh, going forward. If, if heel especially is going to miss a lot of time. And when I look at this team too, there's three or four positions that I find as particularly irreplaceable. And one of those is the fullback positions because they just don't have the depth there. Um, we talk about them increasing depth across the field this year. One area they didn't is fullback. I think their depth is worse this year than it was last year when they had AJ De La Garza. Um, yeah. So to lose Brandon by that's one guy that I don't think is really replaceable in this lineup to lose Carlos heel. I don't think any team can replace a player of Carlos heels quality. So that's, that's not, it's, it's hard to judge the revs too harshly for not having a backup for Carlos heel because no, nobody can do what he does. You can't, you right. can't expect to have that on your bench. Um, but Matt Polster too, I think is a guy that the revs don't have great depth for you know no buck can sort of maybe play the six I, I like him in more of a role where he can be more of an eight and getting up and down the field and contributing on, on attack I, I don't trust latif blessing as a six so i think i think it's probably with tommy mcnamara out and i think it's probably no buck that has to play more of a defensive role if matt polster misses any significant time right yeah that's i mean that's the only one that makes sense to me um you know mccoon has a little bit of experience playing uh, in that position but i don't I haven't been super impressed with him uh, in, in the games I've seen of him uh, in that position. So yeah, to me, Buck makes the most sense there. Um, and, and I would rather have Latif pushed up a little further. I think uh, I, so I, I had a couple of key takeaways that I was putting together as the match was going on. And one of them was going to be that I didn't think Latif had a particularly good start to this game. Um, he, he did Okay, I think overall, if you look at the end of the game stats, he, he ends up doing all right. But at the, at the beginning, especially, he had a couple of passes that were not 
on target. He had a couple of, of you know, giveaways and tough spots. And, and you don't really want that closer to your goal than, you know, or any closer than it needs to be. So I'd rather see him play a little further up in that eight role than the six role. So, yeah, I, I think Buck's probably the best the best available option that we have. We we are very much on the same page today because that was one of the, one of the, my first things I wrote down in the first half was blessing did not look sharp in this one to start this game and it was some bad giveaways that he had but it was also I didn't think he was reading the game particularly well there was even one ball that was over the top where I think he was one on one with another player and it just didn't seem like he could read the flight of the ball correctly and kind of let the guy beat him because of that but there, there were just a number of times in this game where it didn't seem like he had the sharpness that he needed you know I, I think I don't, I don't know I don't know if that's just a you know he missed some time to, to go back and bring his family here which is completely understandable um, yep. and he just is, is getting a sharpness back but he didn't have it in this game and I think it was when we were both on a couple couple weeks ago somebody asked if you if they should replace Matt Polster with Latif Blessing based on Matt Polster's giveaway I, I think Matt Polster's giveaways are a lot less frequent than Latif Blessings have been so this is just another another game that I, I completely agree with you on that it, the way he played does not make me want him to be closer to the goal in a sixth role so I, I don't like that option either yeah and, and just on the Matt Polster point I also thought in, in the first half uh, you know because we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we, when we played Toronto that he had a couple of tough giveaways he had a few passes in this game that were were not as sharp as they needed to be. And they led to turnovers and in, in bad spots for us. Um, he, he also, he turned it around. The whole team kind of came out, uh, you know, similar to last week, they came out kind of flat. Uh, and then unfortunately they kind of stayed flat <laughs> for a lot of the game. Um, but uh, yeah, Polster had a couple of tough passes in this one as well, but uh, I, I would still rather have him in there if he's healthy than, than Latif at the six. Agreed. And we, we got a lot of questions. So I want to jump right into those. Before we do, I want to take a quick minute to talk about the sponsor of this podcast, Glocko Kits. Glocko Kits is the go-to place to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home. The passion for the beautiful game doesn't have borders and neither does the selection. And if you head to GlockoKits.com today, you get 15% off your order using the code RevsRecap at checkout. That's RevsRecap at checkout for 15% off your order at Glocko Kits. Uh, Andy, the first one up is Eddie on Twitter wants to know who starts at Striker next week. Surely after another disaster, it can't be Bobby, but Rion he isn't assertive enough he's great on the ball when he goes and gets it but he doesn't do that enough and the other options are just awful <laughs> yeah so oh, this is going to be a shameless plug uh, if you guys go check out uh, boston sports nation i did a piece last week uh, about whether or not striker by committee was was something that was working for new england uh, and i dove into the stats on on all the strikers on the roster including Bo and frowny and you know all all five of them including rennix and josie as well um so the the key takeaway that I had f from that research was there are some players who are getting less time who seem to be performing better. Namely, Vrioni's been, you know, from a statistical standpoint, he looks like the best of the bunch. Um, and unfortunately, from the eye test standpoint, it's it's not quite the same. Um, my guess is that Bruce will continue to roll with uh, with Wood next week, just because I don't think that he trusts Vrioni very much right now. Um, you know, he's only coming in in substitute appearances, and then when he does come on, he's not really impacting the game in any sort of real or meaningful way. I have him written down here. Uh, Vrioni played 24 minutes last night. He had five touches. Um, That's four which, more touches than he had last week. Which is, yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so it's really an improvement and maybe next week he can get eight touches. Um, but he, you know, he, he doesn't quite, I don't know what it is. And, it, and I don't know if it's just the way that the Reds play doesn't really, you know, jive with the way that he wants to receive the ball or if he's not in the right spots, but it, it oftentimes feels like he's kind of invisible out there and he's not, 
you know, he's not in the spaces that that he needs to be to receive the ball. And, and when he is, he's usually just laying the ball off to somebody else and then going and finding somewhere else to to wait for no one to pass it to him. So um, given that, I honestly think that we'll see Bobby Wood out there again, even though he he had a bit of a tough game again. Um, another thing I saw in that in the research uh, that I was putting together for that piece is that there's a, a, a model that um, American Soccer Analysis does, which is uh, it's called X Place, and it's it's basically a pre-shot versus post-shot uh, expected goals uh, difference, and that basically measures how well you're taking your shots. You know, if you're taking them on target, if you're taking them off target, etc. Um, and and he seems to be taking his shots. <laughs> At, you know, he's, t- he's taking worse shots than the rest of the Revs field, and that includes uh, Josie Altidore and his limited shots. So um, it hasn't been great from Wood, uh, but he's been, unfortunately, the most consistent one we have, especially with, with Bo injured. So I'm going to take it in a different direction. we got a, a second question kind of on this point where Will Morrissey says, what's the point of starting Wood without a strike partner? Vrioni has been mad, but at least he can play alone and is and is more suited to getting behind the line and opening things up for Carly's heel. Starting Wood without another striker is like watching Emil Heskey and say what you will about Vrioni, but he buries a sitter that Wood missed. I, I don't know enough about Vrioni yet to say that he does bury that shot that Wood miss, <laughs> to be honest. But the, the one thing I will take from this is that I think with Carly's heel out, the revolution should go back to playing with two strikers. And I think that we've gotten some comments before that Wooden Rioni could mesh well together, potentially that their styles might pair well. And I, I think that's true. I think that there's a possibility that Wooden Rioni could be a good combination up top. And I think the revolution need to use this time with Carly's heel out to try two strikers again, uh, because I don't love Wood as a lone number nine. I do think he combined well with Gustavo Bo when Gustavo Bo played up top. And I think that was when some of the, some of his better games happened. And I think he could potentially combine well with Rioni up top. So I think given the refs limited options uh, elsewhere across the field, I think it's time to go back to two strikers when, when Carly's heel is out and uh, give Rioni and, and Wood an opportunity to play together up top and see if that could work. What, what do you think about that possibility? Yeah, I know. I think that that could make sense to do. Uh, I, I agree. I think that uh, Wood seems like a player who who benefits from having another striker up top to to interchange with. Um, I just think that if if we were going to see that, <laughs> we would have seen it already um, because it's not like Vrioni and, and Wood both haven't been healthy and available for the last several weeks now. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I think it could work. And I think with, with no heel, right. Uh, we should probably try something like that, but I, I will be a little surprised if that's the lineup coming next week. All right. I said, we got a lot of questions, but a lot of them are about the same thing. And I'm going to read several of them in a row. Now I, you'll be unsurprised. They're about the injuries and the training staff. <laughs> but let's, let's get through these and then, and see what we can, we can come up with. Uh, will, will Farley on Twitter said, what is wrong with the Revs training staff these past two years? I thought they were fired last year. Uh, Josh Goulet uh, kind of met, clarifies his comment with saying Eric Benson was the 2022 athletic trainer who was let go seemingly due to mismanagement of Bo's rehab, plus the list of injuries last year with what feels like a never-ending injury list. When do we point to the medical team again? Uh, Eddie on Twitter says, why is it we seem to get so many non-contact injuries? Uh, Sunday afternoon fullbacks on Twitter says, does the entire training staff need to lose their job? Uh, Corey Cloutier says, what's going on to have seven starters hurt? 
Um, so a lot of questions about the training staff and how do all these injuries happen? There was talks a few weeks ago where everyone was blaming the turf. Well, the Revs had three injuries in Philadelphia and they don't play on turf. Um, I should clarify too that the Revs generally don't train on turf. They have a very nice grass field. Uh, so what what do you make of all these injuries? Who do, who do you blame? Does, does somebody else need to be fired? <laughs> Yeah, so I, I saw all these last night and, you know, I'm not, I have no me- background in, in medicine or uh, no medical degree, right? I don't know anything about the human body. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know necessarily who is to blame. I do know that that several of these players who are, are out injured now have, you know, somewhat lengthy injury histories. So, you know, maybe there's some element of that's that. Um Yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about what, what the training staff does. I don't know if they're... Uh, you know, if their protocols that they're following are different from from any other team in the league. I do know that that Bruce firing the the medical training staff last year, at least to me, indicates that he's paying attention to that and that he that's something that he cares about. Um, so, you know, to to have a training staff or a medical staff this year, that's, you know, uh, not performing up to up to his standards again would be would be surprising to me. So I'm, I'm more likely to chunk this one up to just, you know, players get injured and it's a really unfortunate thing that it's it's happening to so many players on one team at one time but um yeah i don't know how you feel about the the training staff i'm not i'm not super in or up to up to talk about uh training staff and medical staff and stuff like that so yeah i mean it's it's hard to say and it's hard to say whether it's that whether it's you know our guys getting pushed too hard in practice i don't think that's been something that anyone's ever said bruce really does um so it's it's hard for me to say what's causing all this it is an unusual amount of injuries i do think it's fair to point out that there are a number of guys in this revs team that did have injury histories before they came to the revs which is like like you said which is something you certainly have to take into consideration but even factoring in all of that factoring in you know whatever you might think about turf it does seem like the revs have a really unusual number of injuries this season um you know i, I will say it's it happens to other teams i think seattle last year uh, is a kind of a good comparison point with the amount of guys that they had missing um, after you know last last year that the, their season was completely derailed by the number of injuries that they had. Um, but it, it, again, it's it's really unfortunate for the Revolution. Um, it's it's beyond me to know who gets the blame for that or if anyone should get the blame if it's just bad luck. Right. Yeah. I mean, this you know the Revs had a ton of injuries last year, so I can understand why you know we're we're starting to draw some comparisons between. You know, last year when when there were a bunch of injuries and apparently there was some sort of mismanagement of, of the rehab from those injuries. Uh, so I understand why people are are quick to, to point the finger again at, at the medical staff, the training staff. But, uh, you know, this does happen to teams from time to time. And it's it's a real bummer that's happening to the refs now two years in a row, seemingly. And one thing I did say last year is even with the injuries they had, they did have a Carlos heel that was healthy pretty much the entire season. And to me, it was always disappointing that they kind of wasted a season of a healthy Carlos heel because that's never guaranteed. And now, and now we're seeing that now. So hopefully that's not something they come to regret because despite the number of injuries they had last year, their best player was available for just about every game, which is not, it's not a given as we know. <laughs> right. Yeah. And Carlos has had, you know, he has his own injury history, right? Um, it wasn't just here with the revs. He had a few injuries uh, in his playing career in Europe as well. So, you know, the revs revs theoretically would have known what they were getting when they, when they signed these players uh, in terms of their, their medical histories. So uh, is it, uh, is it a bummer that they're all uh, getting injured? Yes. Is it surprising? I would also argue yes, but you know, it can't be that surprising for, especially for some of these, uh, these players who are getting up there in age as well. 
Well, and then you look at what happened with you know Ismael Tajori Shroudy last year, where the Revolution maybe didn't do enough homework on on his injury, and you wonder if that's an example that might prove something too. And and that I don't, you don't want to dig too deep, but you wonder if that's an example that might prove something that maybe the Revs, with some of the signings that they have, haven't done enough diligence on past injury history. But right, you know that's a, you know, that's a great point. Uh, and then another uh, thing is that the way that this this team is run under Bruce is it's very opaque in terms of what they're willing to tell. Uh, fans, media, et cetera, about, about how players are doing, uh, in their injuries and their rehab. Uh, so, you know, it, it just kind of adds this whole extra layer of, you know, we are, we are a team of, of injured players, but we're not going to tell you anything about it. Uh, and you're not going to, you're not going to know what the injuries are. You're not going to know how long they're going to be out. You're not going to know if they're going to be out. So, you know, that, that doesn't work in their favor either. I don't think. No. <laughs> Uh, and John Pilkington on Twitter asks, have you ever seen a past revs team with so many injuries? I I can't recall one. Can you, um, no, I think last, last season towards late summer, we had, um, you know, we had a lot of injuries kind of like this where they were all piling up on top of each other at around the same time, but I don't think they were to players with, uh, that were as important to, to line up, uh, as this year. No, I mean, there's there's always key injuries that have happened to past Revs teams. I mean, Taylor Twellman missed a lot of time. Steve Ralston had some injuries later in his career. Jermaine Jones obviously missed a lot of time in his, his seasons with the Revolution. Shari Joseph you know, had had some big injuries for the Revs. But having this many guys out at the same time, you know, other, other than last year as a comparison point, I, I can't really recall that happening um, in, in, in Revs history. So it's, it's, it is really tough to deal with. Um. Any Revs GL on Twitter asks, if Brandon Bay ends up missing time due to injury, what is our best option to replace him? How quickly can we recall Spalding to play left back so he can play Jones at right back? As of right now, that's my vote for the best option to replace Bay. I talked a little bit about this. What are, what are your thoughts on on how the Revs end up replacing Bay if he is is out for any any period of time? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's – I think you guys kind of have the right idea. Um, I think moving Jones over the right makes a lot of sense because – you at least have, you know, you, you signed Sweat uh, recently. He plays left back. Um, you know, I, in, as of right now, you could play Bulma out on, on the right at right back, but we haven't seen a ton of him other than in, you know, U.S. Open Cup. So I don't know if that's really a direction that they want to go. Um, you know, McCoon's played outside back as well. So you could, uh, you could put him out there. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the most likely option is probably uh, that Jones moves to the right. And you plug either Sweat or or someone else in at left back. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I, I don't love any of the left back options, whether it's Sweat or McCoon. And I assume that you know, based on Bruce setting Spalding out on loan and, and bringing in Sweat, that he is probably going to go with Sweat and not necessarily call Spalding unless there's another injury. I, I do believe they could. I, I didn't look up the terms of that, but I'd be surprised if the revolution couldn't recall Spalding if they needed him. Um, so, you know, that I think that is an option, but I think given, given the options, Jones is going to end up playing right back, assuming Baez out and it's going to be one of sweat or McCoon at left back. Neither of which gives me all that much confidence. Right. I would agree. I, I haven't loved what I've seen. Um, I, I've mentioned this a few times. I, don't, I haven't loved what I've seen from McCoon um, out, out as an outside back. Uh, I think his touches are a little bit, uh, a little bit too sloppy and he doesn't, uh, he doesn't read the game in the same way that, uh, that Bayern Jones do in terms of getting up the field. Um, so we haven't seen a ton of, of Ben Sweat, but what I have seen, uh, especially in that open cup game, I wasn't super impressed with him either. So, you know, it's, it's not great options, uh, but we knew that there was not a, a ton of depth kind of outside back headed into the season. So, 
you know, unfortunately now we have to see what that depth looks like. Yep. And uh, BCFC on Twitter had a few questions, one of which I think we already covered, which is why is Wood starting ahead of Roni? Uh, he also wanted to know why is the recruitment so shocking and why is Josie out the door still on the payroll and why is Bruce's decision-making? Uh, I'll, I'll change the word he said and change it to poor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, the Josie point, I mean, he, he to me is, has been the key candidate for the buyout, uh, buyout clause uh, for a while, even going into last year. You know, we I don't know if we're going to get to talk too much about the salaries, but of course, his salary is extremely high. The reps are paying some portion of, of basically a max TAM uh, salary, and then he's making more on top of that. So, you know, he he's a player that hasn't really contributed. So I'm not sure what we were thinking we were going to get out of him. But but he hasn't shown enough to me to to not be bought out and use the spot on someone else. Um, in terms of recruitment, you know, it's it's kind of up and down, right? I think we've had, we can say that uh, that Bruce has got a couple of hits and a couple of misses, and um, I think uh, injuries in the last couple of weeks are making uh, some of them look more like misses than than not. But uh, I think he can certainly take some blame for for not filling out uh, some positions uh, depth wise that that now we need to fill. Yeah, you hit a key point, and I think it's that the the injuries are exposing some of the the lapses in recruitment and n- nobody has a hundred percent hit rate in recruiting players. Everybody brings in guys that don't work out. And I, I don't know that Bruce's hit rate is you know, much worse than at least average. Um, as far as, as far as other coaches do, it's just that they have so many injuries right now that the guys that, that weren't hits are, are really being exposed. And Altador is the key one, right? Because of that, that salary that you mentioned and how much cap space he's taking up and how much TAM he's taking up and how little flexibility that leaves the revs potentially to, to bring in other guys that they might need more than even a striker at this point. So that is the, that is the key one. And as you said, the, the obvious candidate for a buyout and we have, you know, we have questions about the summer transfer window that I'll jump to in a minute. Uh, but you'd have a lot more flexibility to do stuff this summer and to to fix some of these holes in this roster if you did move on from Josie Altador and freed up that salary. Uh, so that that to me is the kind of the elephant in the room for the revolution when you're trying to figure out how to how to fix stuff on this roster because he's clearly not working out. He's clearly not uh, living up to his salary and providing the revolution what they need as as a backup striker or, or whatever you expect him to be. Um, and it's you know again the the injuries have exposed these guys and when you know if everyone was healthy people might be complaining about Josie Osdor's salary but it wouldn't be hurting the revolution the way it is right now uh, if everyone on this roster was healthy it's just that so many guys are hurt that Bruce Arena's misses are being exposed yeah that's exactly right and and you know like you mentioned from a standpoint of just being able to look forward okay what do we do now is there someone we can bring in you know MLS roster rules and roster building is kind of a weird draconian system so I, I haven't honestly kept track of how much gam or tam or whatever it happens to be that we we even have available but uh i don't think it would be that much with a lot of the the purchases that we've made recently uh, in the off season especially so you know the, the revs don't maybe don't have a ton of wiggle room in in terms of being able to bring someone in so you know using an off season buyout uh in in the middle of the season here on josie altador might honestly be the best way to to fix some of the the holes on the roster yeah, I, I think I think it's got to be that if they're going to, to if they if these injuries don't get better and they're going to 
try to fix some of the problems. I think they have to do it. Um, Will Farley says that it's clear the summer window is going to be crucial. You have to offload Bo, Renix, Josie. All are useless this year and need to add creativity. Uh, I guess thoughts on that. It seems, it seems a little harsh to me on on Bo, who I think has been effective when he's healthy. Um, it's it, it, we, I think we're in agreement on Josie, but <laughs> Bo, Bo, it seems a little harsh to me on. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it's a little harsh on 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 both uh, Bo and Renix, but uh, you know. Well, and and Renix is a supplemental guy that's not taking up any salary space. So exactly right. So and the other point is, I don't you I don't think unless I'm mistaken, there's a way that you can get rid of all three of those players off the roster without taking some sort of penalty. Um, and I I think you right you have one off season buyout that we can use through I think it's July first, so that would take the the salary off the cap and it would open up the space. But I think any other buyouts uh, from then on, I, I believe the, their salary remains on the books. So it's not like that opens up a ton of space. Um, for me, Josie's the obvious one. Um, Bo's contract is up at the end of this season. I think it's much more likely that we just ride it out with him until the end of the year. And then, you know, if if it seems right, we move on uh, and, and go our separate ways. Uh, in terms of Justin Rennix, I don't think he's making all that much. I think you, you're correct in saying that he's uh, in a supplemental spot. So, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's not that bad uh, in terms of salary for him as well. So, like, he, he may not be contributing a ton, but he's also not costing you very much to, to keep. So I, I think you, you might have gotten the July 1st date from our last podcast in which we, we got it wrong. It's actually August 2nd uh, they have for the buyout. Oh, okay. okay <laughs> I, yes. So that's I, a correct, I should correct that from last week's podcast, but it's still August 2nd. But for realistically, I think they probably need to use it by July 1st if, they're going, if it's going to make a difference, right? If you wait till August 2nd to use it, it's almost too late. Yeah, that's exactly where I heard that that figure most recently. I uh, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, but they will need to if they're going to use it. I mean, I can't imagine why it makes any sense to keep it uh, for any longer than you need to, right? You're like we said earlier, this is kind of a, a tipping point, a critical point for the Reds on injuries. So hanging on to to Josie just to buy him out in August isn't really going to do you any good when you are when you could buy him out sooner and actually use the money in the summer window. No, and and just to add to your points, I I don't understand kind of the I I get people might be annoyed with some of the minutes Renix is getting in some of these situations, but because the revs you know, need to, they don't have any other options. But I again, he's not counting against the salary cap. I think for the for being a supplemental guy, he's a you know useful enough player. So I don't think he deserves kind of the some of the hate that he gets. Um, it's more of again being exposed a bit because of how many other guys are injured. And Gustavo Bo, his contract is up at the end of the year. He's he's not a good candidate for the buyout. Uh, Josie is obviously a much better candidate. And also Gustavo Bo, I think if you were to move on from him, it would have to be a situation where you know some other team wanted him and you were letting him go either for a very very tiny transfer fee or for free. Um, and that would be the only way to get his salary off the books without using a buyout, which again it doesn't make sense to use on him. Uh, right, exactly. Opinion. And because his contract is coming up at the end of this year, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find teams who are willing to pay a transfer fee to to get him. So it would have to be on some sort of a free transfer. Yeah. Uh, Corey Cloutier on Twitter says, what do we do or what can we do in the summer transfer window to fix the injury issues? I guess other than buying out Josie, but what, what, what types of players do you think the revolution, if they did have some flexibility, should try to bring in to fix these injury issues? I mean, you, you can't fix injury issues with, with new players, but you can, you can start to, to plug some holes. Um, 
I, I still think that outside back is the spot of, of biggest need. And we're going to, you know, depending on how much time Brandon buys is going to be out here, we're really going to see how important that's that spot is. But the, the depth there is not, in my opinion, up to up to the same level of standard that we would expect uh, for a team that is, I think, currently in third, maybe fourth place. I, I didn't check the standings this morning after Atlanta's game. Um, but you know, I think that's the spot that probably needs the most help. Um, if Carlos is going to miss a bunch of time, I, I don't really know that you can replace that sort of production. So I think maybe a shift in in tactics or formation is is probably going to be the, the fix there. But yeah, I, I think outside back is, is the spot that I'm most concerned with. But, you know, there's there's spots up and down the field that the Reds could use a little more depth. Yeah, I, I don't think there's, like you said, I don't think there's any way you can replace Carles Hill. I think that it's kind of a futile effort to go out there and try to get a backup number 10. It's just, it's not, it's such a it's such a hard position to find a good one in that to try to get someone to be your bench number 10 is, is asking a lot. I think it's more about shifting formations and addressing the other issues that are more addressable. Fullback, absolutely one that needs to be addressed. Um, on that note, Kay Cutting on Discord says, what defender can we bring in during the summer? Is in the league or out of the league a better option? I don't have any names off the top of my head. You know, Bruce Arena has coached so many guys in the league that I'm sure he'd like to bring in someone that he's coached before, <laughs> especially, especially, and it makes some sense too when it's a summer window move and you want someone to step in right away. I think that makes more sense, at least at least there's more justification for it. Um, right. I don't know. Do you have any names that come to mind? And I, what, one thing I will say though is because there are so many areas now that need to be addressed because of these injuries, I, I think you have to be more choosy about what areas you address. And I agree, fullback is one that absolutely needs to be addressed. I think the center back situation is one you might have to live with right now. Uh, given you know Farrell and Romney as your starters and Omar and Makuna as the backups, I don't know that there's much flexibility if you're going to address the areas that need more fixing to to go out and do anything about that. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I would agree. So for me, it's it's fullback. That's the spot that I, I think is probably the the key priority. And, and I would I would agree that that center back is you know maybe we're not super stoked about uh, the depth that's behind there right now. It's it's Omar and it's Makuna, right? Um, you know, we have some, some center backs kind of in the wings for next year, right? I think, uh, we, we signed one in the off season, but he can't play for us until next year. Um, so, but to the, to the point of, of, of last night's game, if we can get back to last night's game a little bit, I don't think that, you know, Farrell has, has a tough night. I thought he actually had good moments, especially in the first half, but the way that we were letting uh, Philadelphia get chances in behind uh, the back line over and over again. I I want to, you know, obviously some blame belongs, especially on Andrew Farrell, right? He, he has the, uh, he, he causes a penalty, right? He, he kicks the ball out of bounds and it kind of, you know, ends up with a throw in that he doesn't get back in time to cover. And then they score off that. And of course he gets, I think, Meg done on the third goal. So of course there's going to be plenty of blame that, that gets put on him, but uh, I don't think that this is necessarily uh, you know, I don't think we can take this game and just say all of a sudden that uh, that Farrell and, and Romney are, are a bad center back pairing. I just think they got left out to dry uh, kind of over and over and over again in this game. I agree. It wasn't a good game for Farrell, but I think the Farrell-Romney center back pairing for the majority of the season has been pretty solid. <laughs> on, on that note, uh, Corey Cloutier on Discord says, should Farrell have retired already? Which I also think is, is way too harsh for the reasons we just talked about. I think the two of them have actually played pretty well with the you know recent exceptions. Um, so I, I do think it's too it's way too soon to kind of give up on that. 
Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I obviously a very tough game, right. From, from the whole revs team and, and the, the back line in particular, right. You can't give up three goals and, and say you guys had a good game uh, defensively, but um, just the, yeah, the way that Philadelphia was playing, I think this is kind of an inch or, or an aspect of, of where you had to use so much depth and you've had to use so much youth already. Um, Philadelphia came into this game, you know, pretty well prepared to play, you know, a fast, uh, physical style of play. And I think we kind of saw that, you know, when you have so many young players out there, when you have guys who are maybe a little bit undersized, like even Boateng, like Latif Blessing, that they can get bullied off the ball pretty easily. And so if you're going to play an aggressive pressing style um, and then you want to go direct, uh, that's going to cause some problems for this Revs team. And it, it absolutely did. So it, as much as, you know, I, I think the, the back line has a tough game, um, you know, you can't give the ball away in the spots that they do. And then, you know, because we pushed our fullbacks up so high, there was a ton of room in behind for Philadelphia to run into and just, they caused problems all night. So I'm, I'm not happy with the defense, but I, I can understand why it went the way it did. Yeah. I'm with you on that. And we have a couple of kind of looking forward questions. Corey says with, with 10 games until the league's cup out of 30 points, how many can we expect with these injuries? And Emily M on discord says, what do you consider the floor and the ceiling for the season now with all these injuries? Yeah. Um, so that's a tough one. <laughs> well, it's, it's uh, tough too, because we don't know how long Carlos is going to be out. It looked like a bad injury, but he also had an injury earlier this year that I thought was going to keep him out for longer than it did and ended up not keeping him out for much time at all. So you, you, there could be a best case scenario, right? Where he's, you know, misses a couple games instead of 10 games or however much it could be. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're operating kind of in a doom and gloom space. You know, we're, you know, we're recording this the morning after the game and there hasn't really been any new updates about uh, about player timelines or anything like that. So, I mean, maybe this is a situation where the injuries aren't as bad as they look like they were on the field and, and players are back sooner and, you know, we can get them back and integrated and when we'll be humming along just fine in a couple of weeks or, or maybe they're they're long term. And we, so we don't really know that right now. Um, I will say that um, I, I have been keeping track of the MLS.com or MLSsoccer.com power rankings over the last uh, month or so. I will be unsurprised if the revs drop five spots in the power rankings this week. And I honestly don't think that will be enough, especially if Carlos Hill is going to miss a significant amount of time. Um, they were at three, I think headed into this week. And I don't think we could honestly say that uh, without Carlos Hill, this team's the eighth best team in the league. My guess is if Carlos Hill is to miss um, a significant chunk, I would say that the ceiling is probably sitting around four, three or four in the East and and the floor, I mean, we built up a nice cushion of points early in the season, so I'm not sure necessarily that it's, you know, going to be a situation where we, we can't make the playoffs, but I wouldn't be surprised if we're hovering around the line if uh, if indeed Carlos is going to miss a, a huge chunk of time. Yeah, I, I agree with you. If, if Carlos is out for a significant period of time, I, I don't. I mean, even four is going to be tough for them to to hold on to, and I. But I do think that's probably the ceiling. I do think the floor could be missing the playoffs if, if Carlos is out a significant time, and if Bo continues to be out a significant amount of time too. Um, with that said, if if you were a betting man, uh, Corey's question: the next ten games before Leeds Cup, how many points do you think they get out of thirty in these next ten games? You know, ho- hopefully, you know, I guess that's maybe looking and saying after the Leeds Cup, maybe some of these guys be are be back after that break, which I'd hope would be the case. Yeah, I mean, without looking at the schedule, I, I I can't say off the top of my head. I don't I don't know how many are home and how many are away. Um, I think you're, you know, you you take a hit, right? Especially if we're going to be without Polster, if we're going to be without Heel, uh, who knows when when Bo will be back? You know, the, you know, uh, if Bai is going to be missing time, right? It, it really, I think it significantly lowers the ceiling of the team. 
I we were we're on a two point per game pace headed into last night's. Um, I mean, I think one point per game would feel realistic uh, without those two. So, ten games, ten points is is uh, I don't think too crazy if we're going to miss all those pieces for that whole time. That's exactly I was, I was going to go with ten myself. So I like I like that answer. <laughs> well, I don't like that answer, but that's right, that's right, what I was sure. going to go. With. <laughs> uh, James Downing says it's very nice to see our youth academy produce so many talented players as of late. But is Bruce's reliance on them truly based on their performance, or is it injuries and senior players underperforming? I mean, I think it's it's both. I, I think Buck has been uh, kind of a nice surprise for us this season. He looked good last season, um, and I, I think he, you know, he's done a lot of work uh, in between last season and this season to kind of, you know, improve his his physical presence on the field and and. I think he's a player that that Bruce would possibly still play if, if injuries were not in play. Um, but I think for uh, Peniotu and I think for Esmir, I, I think those guys are are in right now just because injuries dictate that they they have to be. I don't think they're they're Bruce's first choice. I think Bruce generally pretends or prefers to play um, older players, more experienced players. That's what we've seen in his recruitment strategy. So, you know, I think that's that's the way it's, it would go. It's nice to see um, these young players getting so many minutes, but I, I honestly don't think that at least a few of them would be getting as many if it weren't for injuries. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think when you ask Bruce about playing young guys, he always says, wait, wait, wait a minute. I played Landon Donovan and DeMarcus Beasley in the World Cup in 2002. And that's that's kind of his example. And those are two generational talents that I don't think prove the rule for Bruce Arena. Um, I think he does prefer to play older guys generally and more veterans and with more experience. You know, Noel Buck has been phenomenal and has... Yeah, I, I don't know if, if everyone was healthy, if Noel Buck would have gotten the minutes he's gotten. But I think the way he's played now, uh, even when guys are healthy, Bruce Arena is certainly going to keep playing him. Um, you know, It's hard to say with, with Jack P and Esmir where, the, where they'd be if everyone was healthy. I do think that's more of being forced because of injuries. But um, yeah, I mean, given the evidence of Bruce Arena in the past, it's, it's hard to imagine that these guys would be getting the level of minutes they've gotten. Um, so I, I do think it's a combination of the two. They have they have played well and they have deserved the minutes, but I don't know that they necessarily would have gotten them if it wasn't for some of these injuries and, and underperformance. Yeah, I agree. And, and I don't want it to sound like I, I don't think that they've been doing uh, well with what they've been given uh, as Mir and, and Jack P. But uh, yeah, I think just based upon Bruce's history, I, I would be surprised if the team were fully healthy, if they were, uh, you know, starters in the way that they have been lately. And Andy B on Twitter says, does the manager have too big of a name for the finger to be pointed at him? His team selections, his signings, players missing due to injuries, money being wasted on certain players. Where does the buck stop? No, I, th- I think we can point the finger at him. Uh, and I think that that plenty of, you know, fans and, and media people alike have been pointing the finger at him for, you know, his his uh, recruitment strategies, player uh, selections, his subs, all, all that sort of stuff. So I don't think his name is, is too big. Uh, I don't think even with with a tough loss last night, I don't think he's he's on the hot seat for me. Right. Um, he's still uh, you know, he, he's still a manager who has done well with his team in terms of regular season. Right. The last season, notwithstanding. But other than that, he's been, you know, a manager who hovers around, you know, kind of one point seven to two point three points per game, which is which is pretty solid. I think better than most. Uh, and, and certainly better than the Revs had before him. So I, I'm not ready to say that he's in the hot seat, but uh, I, I think plenty of blame can be levied at him. Yeah, I agreed. I think 
plenty of blame is levied at him, like you said. So I, I don't. Again, he's been the greatest coach in American soccer history, but he's also had some, you know, bad times, such as the 2018 World Cup qualification. So he's not he's not infallible, and certainly blame should be point, put at him for a lot of those reasons mentioned. Uh, right. Derek Derek Terrell on Twitter says, if Bo Kessler, Carles, Poster, and By are all hurt for next week, uh, do the Revs win? <laughs> Uh, next week, I think is home against, home against Chicago, Chicago so right? Not a very good team. <laughs> not a very good team. Well, I, I having watched a little bit of Chicago and, and the way that uh, Apple TV has been doing the scheduling this year makes it difficult to watch the revs in Chicago at the same time. Um, but having seen what I have uh, from them, they're not they're not a bad team, but they do have a lot of mental breakdowns, especially late in games, and they they tend to give up a lot of leads. Um, They'll, you know, they'll be at home. The rest will be at home. So I, I want to say that we find a way to pull, pull out a win, but uh, it's going to be really hard without those players. Yeah, it is going to be really hard, but they are lucky that it's Chicago. Chicago has played five road games. They've lost four of them. Uh, they did actually pull off a three-three draw at home against Atlanta last night, despite having a red card. I think they were down a man for the vast majority of that match. Um, so that was that was a good result for them, all things considered. Um, but right. I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I it might be a game where the Revs end up with a, a draw. Um, but if there's a game where they're going to be able to pull off a result against, uh, you know, without those guys. Chicago is kind of on the list of teams that might be beatable with a very weakened lineup. So we'll, we'll see what happens. It's, it's going to be a tough match if those guys are all out, regardless of who they're playing. Great. Uh, Class Act on Twitter talks about moving Buck to right wing. He said it's been a key issue the last two matches. The Revs don't have the explosiveness to win on the counter, and they need Buck to drive possession, which then allows the team to rotate and create space to exploit. He needs a high touch volume for the team to control matches. Yeah, I saw this one. I, I immediately thought this was a good, uh, a good take, right? I, I've loved what I've seen from Buck, kind of in a more central position, right? He has good, uh, you know, I think he has good physical awareness of where the players on the field around him are. I think he does. He has a pretty good um, touch as well. So, he, I like him in that central spot where he can receive the ball and he can kind of, you know, survey his options and pick out a pass, as opposed to kind of isolating him on on one of the wings and just kind of having him you know, wait for service and then, and then make a pass inside from there. I, I don't think it's his best position out that, out that wide, you know, and I think it's a spot where the Revs have kind of had to use him because of injuries, but I, I think the Revs would be better suited if they want to play a possession style with Buck in, in the center of the field. I agree, and I don't know that they necessarily have had to use him there. I think it's more about wanting to get Blessing on the field and forcing Buck out wide. I, I think, you, you know, and based on how Blessing played in the last game, I don't think that was the right call. I think Buck should be in the center of the midfield, and I think they're better off with, you know, Esmir, Jack P, or somebody else playing out in the wing. Um, so I, I, to me, it was about um, completely a move about getting Blessing out on the field, and I think Blessing's performance last night uh, didn't justify it. So it'll be very interesting to see what they do in the next game. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think uh, you know, Blessing didn't have a great game last night. I don't know. I think he's played a little bit of wing, but like, I don't think that that's a spot that Bruce envisions using him. So, you know, if if you're going to try and force him onto the fields, then then I think that's that probably has to push Buck out wide if if Polster's there. Now, Polster, you know, may miss some time here as well, so we may end up having to see both of them in the center of the fields. Um, but yeah, overall, I like him. I like him more in the middle of the field where he can kind of uh, dictate uh, possession a little better. 
Yeah, and we also, Blessing earlier in his career did play out wide, too. And we saw him play a bit out wide in the second half. I think the Bruce kind of made that shift. I, I don't know if that was necessarily that effective, but I think if I had to pick between the two, I'd rather keep Buck in the middle and kind of use Blessing's pace out on the wing, um, which is another option. And kind of on that note, McNetty on Twitter says, if Carlace is out long-term, what is the starting 11 going forward, assuming Bo doesn't come back, which is maybe a tough question. <laughs> I mean, it's a tough question, especially not knowing which of the injured players are going to be out for how long, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> well, let, let's let's assume the worst, right? Let's assume right. that Brandon Bay is out, that Matt Polster is out, that Carlius Heal is out, that Bo is out, that McNamara and Nacho Heal are out, that Kessler's out. Right. What, what does that 11 look like? <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, so, I mean, I think if, hopefully, right, Georgia Petrovich can stay healthy and does not have to leave. I think he's an obvious choice for, for in goal. I think you'll, you'll probably stick with... Kessler and Farrell uh, at the center back spots. Um, my preference is that they move Jones out to right back. Uh, and then if I had to guess, I would say it's probably going to be sweat um, playing left back. Um, your midfield will be, um, I think you'll have Buck. I think you'll have blessing kind of in the midfield. I think you will do probably as uh, out on the right, Boateng out on the left, and then I, I would like to see a two-striker formation just because that's what you happen to have healthy right now, and I would probably go with Frioni and Wood in that case. But, um, you know, with all these injuries and, and depth being tested, I wouldn't be shocked if, if Bruce, you know, decides to try something a little different. We'll, we'll have to see how it goes. Yeah, I, I think I agree with your lineup. I think that's that's probably what I would like to see, and I think that's probably the most likely going forward. So I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, Evan Ryan on Twitter asks a question that we kind of touched on, and that goes back to your great article this past week that you mentioned about the striker position. He says, do we have a legit number one striker right now, or is it still a revolving door? Um, I mean, it, I think it's still a revolving door for now. Uh, if any of them is going to develop into that into that spot, it's going to be Frowney. Um, he's, he's got the best metrics in, in a limited amount of uh, sample. Um, but I don't know that, that Bruce really likes playing him. And I think we touched on it earlier. I think he does have a tendency to kind of disappear uh, in games and, and he's unable to find ways to get himself involved uh, and or his teammates are, are having a hard time finding a way to get him involved. So, you know, maybe that's something that they can they can work through. And maybe if if he's going to be out for a while, they they're sort of forced to figure it out. Um but yeah, as the team is now, there isn't a clear number one uh, striker that I, I think should be out there and can, can play the lone striker uh, and, and be effective game in and game out. Um, Bo is, of course, you know, he's injured. We'll see if he comes back eventually. He's probably the most talented uh, at present. Um, but he's also a, a player that I think probably plays better in a, in a striker pair. So I think the same probably goes for, for Wood as well. So in terms of having a single, you know, top end striker, I don't really think we have one right now. And if it's going to be anybody, it'll be Vrioni. Agreed. Evan also says, why are we so scared to put a shot on target? Two of our last three matches have put up one shot. And then Porter on Discord says zero shots on target, question mark. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's it, last night was a real tough one, right? Um, just from a tactic standpoint, I, I think I touched on it earlier. Philly wanted to play very physical, and they when they won the ball, they wanted to play very direct. And and the refs were having a really really hard time um, playing possession in through uh, in through their defensive block. So um, especially I think after heel went out, you know one of those ways you can beat a, a high press is you can 
play quick one touch passing. You can play incisive passing and, and without heel on the field. I, I think they looked a little bit lost out there. Um, and so that's going to make it tough to, to build up and it's going to make it tough to find good spots to shoot from. Um, I think they had eight shots in this game. Um, four of them were blocked. So maybe those would have been on target, but it's, it's not enough. I agreed. And, and it's funny when Gustavo bows out, that's a guy that sometimes will put eight shots you know, up a game. So missing him is part of the reason. Uh, and I do think they're missing a guy like him that's quick to pull the trigger in, in, in these games. Uh, Evan also wants to know, is Carles heel going to be kept out till he's 100 percent or is he going to be rushed back? I mean, based upon uh, what we've seen uh, from Bruce so far, I would be surprised if he wasn't kept out until he was, you know, he was ready to go. But we know that Carlos is a guy who's who's pretty competitive, um, and he he beat his injury timeline for his uh, his Achilles injury a few years ago. So, you know, maybe he'll he'll be chomping at the bit to get back in. Um, yeah, I, I would suspect that he's he's out until you know he gets medical clearance to be back in. Um, I don't think that that Bruce will rush him back. Yeah, you also hope with a little with a good start the Revs had to the season up until recently that that buys them a little bit of time as well. Um, Rob on Twitter says tough night for the Revs, especially with injuries. What is your opinion on whether on which other Revs two players could be called up to the first team or even see some playing time? So I'll I'll live with you. I don't watch a ton of Revs two. I know there's there's a big contingent of of fans that watch a lot of it and and keep uh, you know, pay attention. I, I know a few of the names. I know Jordan Adebayo Smith is a player that uh, a lot of Revs fans are pretty uh, excited about. He seems like maybe one of the the players who's most ready to to take that next step. Um, and and I, I know there's a few other players, but their names are escaping me right now. Uh, I think there was one that was mentioned on the podcast last week, a left back that that looks pretty promising. But I honestly I, and I, I feel bad, but I can't remember his name right now. Uh, Thomas E. Thumb on Twitter. How can it be that Boateng is our most dangerous player? <laughs> yeah, and honestly, good for him. He looked uh, he looked to be the only one last night who who seemed to be ready to create moments of danger. Um, and, you know, I thought a, a couple times he you know, he was really the only one pushing the ball forward. He was good with his positioning. He was playing out uh, kind of wide on that touchline like he likes to do. And, you know, he had a little bit more difficulty last night against the, you know, Philadelphia has great center back. So it's, it's tough to, tough to muscle your way past them. But even on, I think there was one occasion where he, you know, he's pushing up the end line. He kind of collides with, I can't remember if it was Glesnitz or Elliot, but he, he kind of knocks into one of them and he, he finds a way to keep going and get the ball in behind and puts in a cross for a, a a shot that would be off target, but I mean, he, he's been, especially for the, the salary he's making, he's been an absolute, uh, he's been a steal for the Reds this year. So I, I've been pleased with him so far. Yeah. And we don't have time to get into the salaries today, but <laughs> just, you, you mentioned going from 225,000 last year to 95,000 this year is, is a steal for the Revs of what they're getting from him for that salary. It's just, that's just crazy to me. <laughs> Agreed. Um, two last quick comments, not questions. Alvin Eats says, so with Barrero, Gill, a good forward, Rioni, the midfield of Noel Poster and Latif all fit. This is a pretty good team. We don't have all those pieces. And Farrell, who I loved, did concede a PK in this one, kind of in the crush to put us out of, put this game out of reach for us. Uh, agreed with that. Ryan Duplicia says, ugh, <laughs> which is a good way to sum up the game. Um, Andy, before we wrap up, uh, any final thoughts and where can people find your writing on social media? Anything you got planned for this week? Uh, so I'll be taking the week off, uh, this week, uh, in terms of, of articles, but I try to write them generally every week. I'd say once every 
four to six weeks, I'll, I'll maybe I'll take one off. But uh, you guys can catch my uh, my work over at Boston Sports Nation. That's BOSSportsNation.com. And you can follow me at Andy Revs Nation on Twitter. I post all my articles there as well as additional analysis and content. So give it a check. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sean Aldani, who, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Revolution Recap. And please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our friends at The Blazing Musket. Thanks again for listening to Revolution Recap presented today by Bet Online, And we'll be back after the Chicago game with another podcast.